Good morning. (laughs) Our scripture comes from the 13th chapter of John, the first 15 verses. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, Those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, Not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly, because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must watch each other's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. Story goes this way. It says that there was a Marine deployed to Afghanistan, got a letter from his girlfriend saying, I have fallen in love with your best friend, and we're getting married. So not only am I breaking up with you, but if you would, please send the picture back to me that I sent to you. I want to use it in my engagement announcement in the local paper. Ouch. Of course, the Marine was distraught. Then his buddies found out about the letter. They went around the barracks and got every picture of a girlfriend or wife they could find, put all of them in a shoebox, sent them back to the girl in question with an attached note that said, please find enclosed your picture and return the rest. For the life of me, I can't remember which one you are. (laughs) 
Don't mess with Marines, church. (laughs) Revenge feels good, doesn't it? Isn't there something about revenge that just... Satisfying. Look at this. Uh, So what, what you see here is a car parked in front of um, some dumpsters. And the sanitation workers are supposed to empty the dumpsters, but they can't get to the dumpsters. So they had to do some extra work and, and try and wash the car and not scratch it. So when they were finished, this is how they put things back. <laughs> this next guy decided that he wanted to... Uh, can we get the next one? Thanks. Next guy decided he wanted to drop trash on the side of the road, but didn't calculate for the fact that, um, okay, uh, didn't calculate for the fact that he left his his uh, his address there. So this is what they did to his house. So, but don't go yet. Don't go yet. Stay here. Stay here for a second. Um, have you ever been? You ever been to Target and saw somebody whose car was so important to them that they had to take up two spaces? Can I just tell you that it drives me crazy. I don't, I don't like it about myself. I, I really don't. I wish it would change. If you do this, don't tell me. I will judge you. But one patron at Walmart saw somebody who thought their car was so important they needed two spaces and this is what they did to it. Isn't that awesome? Now, listen. I didn't tell you all this to give you good ideas. Okay? But there's something about, there's something about revenge that feels good. When I have, when I get the opportunity to be the bringer of justice, I just, mm. Love it. The problem with that is that Jesus taught us to do something different. Um, Jesus had every right to take revenge on a lot of people. And instead, he offered them forgiveness. We've been in this series called Second Chances. And the thing about this series is we've been talking about how God has forgiven us these first few weeks. But today I want to turn the corner and talk about how we have to forgive people around us. That's, that can be hard to hear. But Jesus really did teach us another path. Rather than revenge, he told us to go down the road of forgiveness. And, and one of the great examples of this is the passage we heard read for us this morning. Jesus knew that he had come from God and he was going to God and all authority in heaven and earth belonged to him. So... He took off his clothes, he wrapped a towel around his waist, he knelt down, and he washed the disciples' hands. I wish it were hands. I wish it was a face, I wish it was back, I wish it was elbows, something, anything besides feet. Feet! Feet! I will shake your hand. I'll look at you in the eye while I'm talking to you with pleasure. I'll give you a hug. I wish we hugged more around here. I like to hug, church. I will wipe a tear from your eye. I have been known to use my pocket square to wipe a child's nose. Wasn't even my kid. Just part of the services we provide at Ebenezer Church. (laughs) But feet? 
Feet. Feet stink. The reason I know that is because they have never in history produced a scent, a fragrance called sweat sock musk. What is that wonderful, what's that wonderful cologne you have on? Oh, it's Funky Feet by Justin Bieber. No, no. Feet stink. And the other thing about feet is they're not particularly attractive either. Uh, men don't carry, don't, men don't have pictures of their wives' feet on their desk. Grandparents don't carry around ankle-down pictures of their grandkids. Have you ever seen such beautiful arches? Feet have fungus. They have planter's warts. Feet have nails and stuff that grow on nails. Feet are funky. If you are a lifetime member of the Society of the Soul, if you're a foot of file, good on you, not me. Feet are ugly and they stink. And here's the thing, I think that's the point. I think that Jesus couldn't wait to get his hands on the grungiest, grittiest, grimiest parts of his disciples' lives and wash them as clean as he possibly could. And it's interesting to me, the fact that Jesus did this at all. In so doing, he redefines what leadership looks like. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to that in the Bible before, but in the ancient Near East, the role, the the one who was supposed to wash everybody's feet was the lowliest servant in the house. At the end of the day, the lowliest servant in the house showed up at the door with basin and towel in hand and washed the master's feet. So that night in the upper room, they had the towel, they had the basin, they had the water, but there was no servant. And Peter thought Philip should do it, and Philip thought Bartholomew should do it, and Bartholomew thought that you know Thomas should do it. And they kept wondering who's going to be the servant. And then Jesus gets up and he takes off his clothes. He wraps around his, his waist. He had all the authority. He had all the power. He was rightfully the leader. And he teaches us what it looks like to lead. And I think this is important for this group of people right here. People who are servant leaders in the world. We used to think that being a leader meant telling somebody to go take a hill. But that's not the case. Jesus redefines good leadership. Jesus says, if you want to be a good leader, find the funkiest, grimiest, grossest situation around and go fix it. Jesus said, you really want to be a leader. You don't do it by lording yourself over others. You kneel and you serve them. That is leadership. And the thing that that really gets to me about the story is that Jesus had every right to pass by like half the people in the room. He did. For example, I understand if Jesus would have passed by Philip and not washed his feet. What's wrong with Philip? Here's what's wrong with Philip. You remember back when Jesus was was preaching to people and 5,000 men were following him along with all their families and the disciples came and they said, all these people are hungry. And Jesus said, well, have them sit down. I'll feed them. We don't have any food. Jesus says, I'll handle it. Philip walks up to Jesus and said, what you are proposing is impossible. It can't be done. What does Jesus do? What does Jesus do with people who don't believe in him, who doubt his ability? The answer, friends, is Jesus washes their feet. I would understand if Jesus passed over James and John. You remember what James and John asked for? James and John came to Jesus. They said, hey man, 
When you come into your kingdom, is it cool if one of us sits on your right hand, one of us sits on your left? I mean, would you mind elevating us to this position of unheard of authority and power? You ever asked yourself, how would God deal with people who use the church for their personal and political gain? The answer is, he washed their feet. Everybody in the room could understand it if Jesus had passed by Peter that night, right? Peter who tried to convince Jesus not to go to the cross. Peter who fell asleep in his best friend's hour of greatest need. Peter who just hours after Jesus demonstrates his love and devotion to the disciples, curses at a child and says, I I never knew that man. How does God handle people who deny him? He washes their feet. But the thing is, all those disciples, I can maybe understand, it's, it's the last one that gets me. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus washed Judas Iscariot's feet that night? I can hardly fit that in my head, in my heart, in my soul. Jesus washed the feet of a man who, by the end of the night, was going to be 30 pieces of silver wealthier. Jesus washed the feet of a man who was going to show up at a garden and betray him with a kiss of peace. What does God do to people who betray him? The answer is, he washes their feet. And it blows my mind. And it makes me sad and angry and most of all uncomfortable. Why? Because if Jesus washed the feet of people who didn't believe in him, if Jesus washed the feet of people who used him, if he washed the feet of people who denied him, if he washed the feet of those who betrayed him, if our Lord and Master washed the feet and forgave those who hurt him, it means that if I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to do the same thing. And that is hard. I wonder, have you ever asked yourself the question, Why is it that Jesus commands us to forgive people around us? Because he does. He says things like, uh, what good is it to love people who love you and pray for people who pray for you? Everybody does that. He says, if if I'm forgiving you, you've got to go and forgive other people. Why does Jesus require that we offer forgiveness? And some people will say, well, Jesus requires we offer forgiveness because we have been forgiven. And that's true. But have you ever asked the next question? Why? Here's what I think. God knows about the situations in our lives when we come to this fork in the road and I can choose to go down the road of revenge or I can choose down to to go down the road of forgiveness. And those are the only two choices I've got. Jesus knows something about our human condition. Jesus knows that we can build fortresses out of hate. He knows we can. Every brick a hurt perpetrated by somebody else. Fastest construction projects in history are built out of hate. Jesus knows. He knows what hate can do. And here's what Jesus also knows about hate. Jesus knows that the irony of hate is 
The only person my hate imprisons is me. The beauty of forgiveness. The beauty of forgiveness is that forgiveness is the anti-venom. Forgiveness keeps somebody else's problem from poisoning my soul. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing that you're probably like me, that there are people who have shot some poison at you in the past. Maybe, maybe it's an ex. Maybe it's a parent, a child. Maybe it's a mother or father-in-law. Let the church say amen. No, I was just kidding, baby. My wife's right there. I was just kidding. I was just playing. Maybe, maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a classmate. But mo- most of us have these volcanoes inside of us that lie dormant 99% of the time. But when that one person begins to talk about that one thing, it explodes. And we've got two choices. We can either walk down the road of revenge, which ultimately imprisons only me and my own hatred. Or I can walk down the road of forgiveness. And you might say to yourself, Rob, you seem particularly passionate about this idea. And I am. And there's a reason why. Because I have witnessed a terrible evil. And I saw how forgiveness transformed the people involved. This is a picture of Adam Ward. Adam was a cameraman for WDBJ Channel 7 in Roanoke, Virginia. Two years, one week, and one day ago, Adam was on location with his reporter. Uh, His partner was uh, Allison Parker. They were on location at Smith Mountain Lake when a disgruntled former employee of WDBJ 7 shot and killed both of them while they were live on camera. Adam's mom, Mary and Buddy Ward, attend St. Mark's United Methodist Church where I was the senior pastor until just a couple months ago. And as you can imagine, that's the thing that keeps us up at night as parents, right? Losing a child. It was their it was their worst fear. And it happened so publicly. So for the next few days I kinda I kinda lived at their house. And the morning after Adam was murdered, Mary, who was his mama, and I were sitting in her living room, and Adam's niece, Mary's granddaughter, was there. And I looked over on the coffee table. And there's this picture. There's this book called Little Blue Truck. Now, at the time, I had a three-year-old son. And we read the Little Blue Truck every day. (laughs) I knew it by heart, right? 
Horn went beep, engine purred, friendliest sounds you ever heard. I still got it. Church. So I saw a book I knew. I saw a little girl who didn't have anything to do. I picked her up. I picked it up. I read a little blue truck with all the gusto that dads have. Mary watched the whole thing. She said, I have no idea where that book came from. I've never seen it before in my life. She said, but that little blue truck is my Adam. And we started talking about hate and forgiveness. So a couple weeks later, Mary and Buddy Ward, Adam's mom and dad, show up to my church, to my office, with several hundred copies of the little blue truck. And I said... What are you going to do with them, fearing that they were going to leave them in my office? <laughs> and they said that that story was such a powerful story for us. Because even though it's just a children's story, it gave us two options. We could be overcome by hate. Or we could take a different road. So here's what they did. They bought a copy of the little blue truck for every kindergarten class in the Roanoke Valley. It took them a year, but they went to every class in the greater Roanoke Valley, every one of them, hundreds of classes, and they read this book and they left it behind. They talked to kids about how to forgive. And in so doing, never once mentioned Adam's name because it wouldn't have been appropriate to tell children the age of five what happened to Adam. But inside every book that they left in every kindergarten class in the Roanoke Valley was this sticker. That's Adam when he was in kindergarten in a little blue truck. I can't fit it in me what they went through. But I know that for the rest of their lives they could have been consumed by hate and they chose a different route. Why? In the end is because, one, they knew they had wet feet. They had been forgiven. Jesus had washed the grimiest, grungiest, grossest parts of their lives and so they couldn't withhold that same grace from somebody else. And the second reason was equally as powerful. They knew if they went down the road of hatred, it would own them for the rest of their lives. But forgiveness would set them free. Sequence matters, church. Jesus washed you and me. He washed us. And then he hands us the implements of peace. He says, go and do the same. I just want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to feel, to really feel the the coolness of the grace of the living God on your feet. To feel it as God washes those places that are most uncomfortable, that are hard to talk about, but that's so real. As God washes those places and leaves them clean again, think about that feeling. And as you do, I want to invite you, I encourage you to think about the person who hurts you. The one who didn't believe in you. 
the one who tried to use you, the one who denied you, the one who betrayed you. And I want to invite you to forgive them. And it can be hard. It can take a while. But the beauty of forgiveness, my friends, the beauty of forgiveness is it frees us on both sides. I am set free from my own sin when Jesus washes my feet and then I am set free from my past when I forgive those who hurt me. Forgiveness may take a while. But it's possible for people like you and me. And I know that's true. Because if you look down, you will find you have wet feet. Let us pray. Gracious God, for these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people.